Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God.
He's not working on the world. He knows the world's caught up in the sin, and sin will destroy it. He, he's not loose in the world. He's, he's letting all of his little minions and agents do what he wants to do in the world. He's busy trying to stop the church. And listen, I'm telling you, I'm listening to what some of these guys are saying about churches. Uh, people are crying out saying, why, are, why isn't churches doing something? Why aren't churches saying something? Why aren't churches just in this, in this benign, uh, you know, just kind of sitting back and see what happens? Well, we're not like that. We're saying something. We're doing something. We're pressing into the things of God. Listen, we're declaring God's healing power is stronger than any disease. COVID included, and any variants that would try to come from it. We say God's peace is greater than any social or political turmoil. And no matter what size the happen, church, we're still on the earth. We still have the authority in the spirit realm. And I would tell you that you can begin to see a lot of frustration on, on the part of those that are trying to bring this, this demonic system into play right now. And the reason that they're, they're frustrated is because there's resistance to it. You say, what's the resistance? We are. You say, oh, one little church in Galveston, if that's what it takes. God used 300 and 300 Israelites to destroy almost a million man army. God can use a little stone to bring down to bring down a giant. Amen. So listen, don't don't allow the apathy and the complacency of this world system to grab you and pull you out of what God wants to do in your life. Don't miss. Everybody say, don't miss. I like to say it like this. Don't miss church. Don't miss prayer. Don't miss reading your word. Reading the Bible. Don't miss Don't miss praying. Don't miss being a witness. Don't don't miss praying for people. Don't miss casting out devils. Don't miss any of that. And you won't miss the rapture. You don't want to miss the rapture. You say, well, all things being equal, you'll end up in hell. But I'm saved. Then be saved enough to go up in the rapture. That means during the end times, you're serving God, you're praying, you're watching. All the different things we talked about a couple of months ago on what it takes to actually go up in the rapture. Because the rapture is a reward for those who are doing what they're supposed to be doing in the last of the last day. And that's us in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I heard you had a good time with Miss Jackie Banks last week. She's fun. We had a great time. Awesome. Great healing meeting. I bet we had close to 100 people healed yesterday, last Sunday night. So we're seeing some great stirrings of the Spirit of God, some great moves of God that are right, we're right on the edge of some powerful things that God is doing. Acts chapter 16 this morning, if you'll turn there. Acts chapter 16. And I think I'm going to just kind of stick there. I like to do that sometimes. You just get into one chapter and kind of dig. Amen? You like to dig in the Word? You know, you got to quit living by the nuggets. People are always saying, oh, i got a nugget in church today. You know, that refers to nuggets refers to gold. Amen. And if you study the, the, the gold rush that had the most effect on our nation was the, the one that took place at uh, Sutter's Mill in 1849 in California. And most people that went out there to find their fortune died by the streets because they lived on nuggets. You know, they panned for gold, and they got enough nuggets for food for the week, and, you know, some, some uh, grain for the mule, and a few more bullets for their shotgun, and 
you know, maybe some, some food to eat, and then they, 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 they spent all week doing that, and they got some more nuggets, and they spent it, and they never really built anything up. But, you know, there were a couple of families that did not live like that. They weren't satisfied with the nuggets coming out of the street, so they went up and found out where the nuggets were coming from. You got to find out where the nuggets are coming from. Amen. Because their families, they found the vein of gold running through that mountain, and it changed their families for generations. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you can dig into the Lord and find the vein of revelation that God has for you, and it can change your family for generations. Amen. Now, I think chapter 16 is a, it's a, it's a great uh, uh, chapter to study when it comes to the will of God for your life, how to hear from God, and how to move with God as God moves. Now, let me say this right up front. You, you've got to understand this, church. Being in the will of God, you say, what do you mean? Being in the will of God, I mean 100% right in the middle of the will of God for your life, in no way exempts you from being attacked by the devil. As a matter of fact, just the opposite is true. If you are in the will of God, then it's probably likely the enemy is going to try to attack you, but being in the will of God makes you resistance against that attack. Amen. So many people start out there. They, they, they get in the will of God in some little area here, some little area there, and all of a sudden this resistance comes up again. They thought, man, I was better off. I wouldn't even serve in God. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. Nobody here was better off before they got saved. I don't care what your story is, you had been better You say, what do you mean? God has made you better. Amen. So the real key is not to worry about what you're going to have to go through. You shouldn't have to worry about what you're going to go through. You say, well, because God's going to get you through it if you'll go with Him. So that's what I want to show you this morning, kind of teach on. Go to verse uh, Let's go to verse 6. He said, Now, when they had gone through the King James, I'm going to refer to that message Bible here in a minute. The region of Galatia were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Ain't that amazing? And wait a second, I thought we were supposed to preach the word everywhere. Well, the Bible says they were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. But if you continue as a student of the book of Acts, you'll see in Acts chapter 19, they preached the gospel throughout all of Asia through the Bible school of Corinthians and, 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 and Ephesus. You say, well, how is that relevant? The timing wasn't right. Obviously, God was doing some things in the unseen to get Asia ready for the Word of God. You know, God does that from time to time. He'll do things in areas to get people ready for the Word of God. Amen. Now, it says this, it says, and then they were going to Messiah, and as they had saved to go to Bithynia, the Spirit of God suffered them not. So they made another attempt. They said, well, God doesn't want us to do it. Let's try Bithynia. You know, maybe we can have some good meetings over there. Maybe there's a place we can hold some meetings. And the Bible says, the Spirit of God forbid them not. So at least they were trying to do something. A lot of people never find the will of God because they just stand and say, okay, God, show me your will. Show me your will. Show me your work. But I'm telling you, you can learn as much about God by what He doesn't say as by what He does say. I've told people this for years. If you've got something on your heart and you really believe it's God and it's been in your heart for a while, you need to proceed forward toward that until God stops you. A lot of people are waiting for a great big, do this, do that, do this, say it. It doesn't come like that. It comes by an understanding of the Word of God and 
just moving forward in the spiritual things that you know. And as you do that, then it's amazing how the path of righteousness for your life opens up wider and wider and wider. And then it doesn't, it's not so rocky, it's not so uphill. Then pretty soon you get to a place where it's kind of smooth and kind of downhill. And that's a real joy. Those kind of days and those kind of seasons are a real joy. Amen. So now they had two, they had two what I would call red lights. Everybody say red lights. This is passing by Messiah. They came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and came and said, Come, and I say, Come, come over into Macedonia and help us. And I say, Help us. I'm okay, church. Listen to me. See, many times we have like this. Well, oh, Brother Rusty, those are apostles, and those are men moving in the move of God. When the move of God first started over 2,000 years, let me tell you something, church. God will act just like this in your life. He'll tell you, don't go to your neighbor today. But now, next week at this time, make him a cake and take it to And it's amazing how the timing of God will open a door for you. Yeah, and the Lord might say to you, you know, don't speak to your boss about the Lord, but you're going to be with it uh, in about two months. And in that particular time in which you're with it, I'm going to open the door. Be ready. Be ready with the gospel. Well, I've never had that happen. That's because you've never been in a position for it to happen in your life. Those are the most incredible, adventurous days you can live are the days in which God is using you everywhere you go for anything He needs you to do. Amen. So all of a sudden, well, there was a well, there was red light. If I say red light, then another red light. If I say red red light, all of a sudden there's a green light. Come on! This is after uh, verse ten says, and after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now I'm going to, I'm going to flip over here to my passion Bible. Verse 11, Passion Bible. From Troas, we sailed a straight course to the island of Samothrace. <laughs> and the next day to Napoleus. Finally, we reached Philippi, a major city in the Roman colony of Macedonia. And we remained there a number of days. When the Sabbath day came, we went outside the gates of the city to the nearby river, for there appeared to be a house of prayer and worship there. Sitting on the riverbank, we struck up a conversation with some of the women who had, women who had gathered there. One of them, Lydia, everybody say Lydia, was a businesswoman from the city of Tarathara uh, who was a dealer of exquisite purple cloth and a Jewish convert. While Paul shared the good news with her, God opened her heart to receive Paul's message. She devoted herself to the Lord, and we baptized her and her entire family. Afterwards, she urged us to stay in her home, saying, since I am now a believer in the Lord, but to stay in my house, so we were persuaded to stay there. Now, you see how these are, listen, this is not circumstance. When, listen, when the two red lights happened, God was preparing this woman's heart. Everybody say time. When these two red lights happened, which cost them what? Time and momentum until they got that vision and begin to press up. That whole time, God's working behind the scenes, getting people ready for a move of God. Now, now, now Paul and Silas are right there in the will of God. They've got a, they're acting upon a vision of God. They're obedient. They think everything just goes right. Amen. And so far, so good. We found a house of prayer. 
We found people worshiping God. We found a convert in Lydia. She seemed very willing to work with the ministry and understand the word which we're preaching. Man, I'm telling you, things are happening. God is moving. Never say everybody say, God is moving. Now, notice this. <laughs> One day, as we were going to the house of prayer, we encountered a young slave girl who had an evil spirit of divination, the spirit of Python. She had earned great profits for her owners, being, uh, owners by being a fortune teller. She kept following us, shouting, These great men, these men are servants of the great high God. They're telling us how to be saved. Now, wait a minute, wait a second, wait a second. So, all of a sudden, as they're traveling back and forth between this place they found on the river where people were praying and gathering to, uh, to hear things about God, this, this slave girl began to follow after them and begin to shout out, these guys got the answer. These guys can tell you how to get saved. These, these guys can tell you about the most high God. Now, someone would say, what's wrong with that? Well, here's what's wrong with it. She's got a spirit of divination. She's not operating by the compassion of God. She's operating by the familiar spirit that a, that, that a devil put in her, which probably got there through ritualistic abuse and her own life being terrible. This woman needs deliverance. He said, but she's advertising the move of God. God does not need the devil to advertise what he does. Secondly, the enemy always tries to encroach into the move of God by bringing people in there who agree with, or oh, we agree uh, with, with, uh, with praying in the Holy Ghost. We agree with laying hands on the sick. We agree with, but you know, we agree, but then they're full of the devil. Well, you've got to have to, you know, enough discerning to understand there are people like that. The devil aims at moves of God. The devil has aimed this, this slave girl. He has a purpose. The devil has a plan. He wants to shut all this down before it starts. He does not want any kind of church at Philippi. He does not want any kind of move of God there. So he is fighting, trying to destroy it from the inside out. That's how the enemy fights to destroy moves of God is from the inside out. You know, the greatest Luther Street revival that took place in 1907 through, to, uh, uh, 1907 through 1909. Did you know what destroyed that prejudice? You had a bunch of haughty religious preachers that got in there and just actually, for lack of a better term, began to intimidate Brother Seymour. And next thing you know, that whole thing split up because of race and kind of stupidest thing that ever happened. And all those people that were involved in it, uh, they all got offended because things didn't happen the way they thought it should. But all those other people that were the spiritual part of that, Brother Seymour and his, they just kept on moving in the Holy Ghost. They just kept, they just kept on preaching the gospel, seeing people saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and healed, and seeing signs, wonders, and miracles till the day they died. To the day they went to heaven. Amen. So we don't need the devil. I said we don't need the devil except to make sure he's under our feet. Amen. Because he always tries to destroy. He'll do it in churches. He'll do it in marriages. He'll do it in every way. He'll do it in businesses. But the good news is, the devil cannot destroy what you won't let him destroy. We're not going to let him destroy the church. We're not going to let him destroy our marriages. And we're not going to let him destroy what God desires to do in us and through us. I'll get a better amen to that. I heard the story. I've told you several times, I may have told it here. Uh, so that World War II and a group of, of colonels, and I, I'm not sure exactly what they were 
uh, in leadership over a battalion or a company or whatever. But these guys were the guys entrusted with the plans coming down from the generals to 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 initiate uh, that move across Europe after the breakout in, in France and begin to take cities in northern France and Belgium and Germany. And city after city after city had to be taken. There were five different uh, colonels attached to a battalion. I think the general was Barclay connect, connected to the uh, to the general, and, and he literally would meet with them in staff meetings, and they would discuss how you do it, how you take these cities. Well, four of these colonels were saying, "I'm telling you, it's it's tough. We're 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 having to use artillery, and then we call in the air force, and then when we send troops in, it's still tough. Those Germans are in trenches, and it's just about one of them didn't have that story. One of them ever said he went to, he took it just like that. And the reason he did is because the previous city he took, he would go throughout the city and find people that lived in the next city. And he would say to them, now I want you to go back to your hometown and I want you to tell them this, the Americans are coming. The Americans are coming. You can't beat them. You can't defeat them. You can fight all day long. It doesn't matter. They have more men. They have more equipment. You better get out of here. The Americans are coming. The Americans, they go to those cities, and those people would bail out of those cities. Those German soldiers would leave. And by the time that guy got there with his group, he had already destroyed that city from the inside out. He said, what's the moral of the story? Don't let, don't let the devil get into your city. Amen? So here's this woman. It says she earned great profits for her owners, being a fortune teller. She kept following us, shouting, these men are the saints of the great high God. They're telling us how to be saved. Day after day, she continued to do this until Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit indwelling in her, I command you in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to come out of her. And at that very moment, the Spirit came out of her. Heard this question that's Pastor Russell. Why isn't the first time she do that? Why isn't the first time that she begin to make those make those statements and begin to shout that? Why didn't Paul just turn right then and there? Because it takes an unction of the spirit when you're dealing with the demonic. So he let it happen day after day after day after day. One day it happens so quick. And the anointing went off, and he says, today's the day she's going to get delivered. And he turned, and he spoke the word, and used the name of Jesus, and that woman was delivered. And guess what? She got delivered from the bondage of being a slave. Amen? Thank God for that. Amen? Oh, I'm over this Excuse me. You should say, go the other Bible class. It says their owners realized that their potential of making profit had vanished. They forcefully seized Paul and Silas. Now, wait a minute. We're here holding revivals. We're here casting out devils. We're here healing the sick. We're here getting people saved. They forcefully seized Paul and Silas and dragged them off to the city square to face the authorities. But wait a minute. We're in the will of God. <laughs> you haven't thought that before. But wait a minute, wait a minute. I went to church. I paid my tithes. I gave him the offering. I went to the prayer meeting. I've been doing everything I know to do. Why is this happening? It may be happening because you are in the will of God. And listen, we can, we can get all into the, into the aspects of this. But listen, when opposition rises against your faith because you are pressing into the will of God, you want to count it all joy. 
You ought to rejoice that you've got the attention of the demonic realm. Listen, they know your name in heaven, but they also know your name in hell. See, when they appeared before the Roman soldiers and magistrates, slave owners, the slave owners levied accusations against them, saying, These Jews are troublemakers. That's just how the devil ought to see you. Yes, you do. Not for me. Not for the church, but you ought to make some trouble for the devil. I mean, you ought to, you ought to be, listen, think about how the devil tries to get you to work. He don't have any resistance against work. That means he's not walking around quoting the word of God, walking in the peace of God, trying to get worried off again. No, that means he's worrying more and more and more and more and more. And he sees you coming to church today, so now he's worried about you more. Listen, we need to give the devil a nervous breakdown. Amen. I mean, every time he thinks about Island Church, you ought to give him a migraine headache. How come them people had shut that thing down? How come they had left him on some done something else? What are they doing? Still expecting God to live? Have they lost their minds? Yes, we've lost our minds and got the mind of Christ. So here they are, and I mean, we just cast the devil out of a woman who was being abused by a bunch of men, and everybody's mad. Because now they can't make money abusing a woman. When they appeared before the Roman soldiers and magistrates, slave owners levied accusations against them and said, These Jews are troublemakers. They're throwing our city into confusion. They're pushing their Jewish religion down our throats. It's wrong and unlawful for them to promote these Jewish ways, for we are Romans living in a Roman society. So they quote the political call. Amen. You know, this, this, is, this is not what Republicans would do. This is not what Democrats would do. I don't care what Republicans, I don't care what Democrats, I want to do what God wants to do. I don't hear him talking about casting out devils and speaking in tongues. I don't listen to him. I thought that might help somebody. A great crowd gathered. All the people joined in to come against him. The Roman officials ordered Paul and Silas to be stripped of their garments, beaten with rods on their bare backs. Well, this is the day the Lord is made. Now, I can imagine Silas, you know? I mean, he just kind of hooked up with Paul. And, you know, he said, let's go on this mission trip. I always like to bless people on the mission field and those that travel with me. So I'm always doing a little few little things to help them. You know, like putting rocks in their beds and, you know, all kinds of good stuff like that. You know, to keep their joy bubbling. But this ain't that. This is, listen, they done stripped us naked and beat our backs. This is going to look in the news later. Silas probably said, are you sure God told you that? Are you sure you had a vision? 
of a man from Macedonia said, come over here and help. Now we don't need to go help him. He needs to come help us. Showing you right here that many times you end up in situations thinking, oh man, I missed God. What have we done? Oh my goodness. I mean, we've ended up in jail with our clothes stripped off, our backs beaten. Now they're going to put us in jail. They're going to put our feet in stuff. Oh, I'm just, if anybody ever got out of the world of God, it's us. That's exactly what the devil wants you to think in the crisis of life. Because if you ever think you're out of the will of God, you can never worship God. But if you make a decision, I'm in the will of God. No, I'm doing what God told me to do. I read my Bible. I pray. I go to church. I do. And to the best of my ability, I am obeying God in everything I can do in my life. I guarantee you, it may cause you to end up with your back, back beaten. It may cause you to end up with your feet in the stocks. But the good news is it's all a part of a bigger plan that God has. God's plan was not the stocks. God's plan was not the beating. God's plan was what happens afterwards to produce the greatest mission church in the book of Acts, the church of Philippi. This is the church that's going to take care of Paul, his whole ministry, and the devil is kicking and screaming and stomping, doing everything he can do to stop that church from forming by stopping the ones that's going to form it. That's how you think you should be. I get a key down Paul Paul's already said, you know, that guy will leave you. Those people we've been meeting at the river seat, I've been taking the church in Philippi. These people are people just like me. They have a heart for God. The Lord's called us here. It's obvious the devil is fighting to the devil to try to get us out of here. But I got good news. We're going to take the beating, we're going to take the stocks, and we're going to just act like we're right in the will of God, and we're going to worship God. Now, notice what happens here. Notice what happens. This is after they were severely beaten and were thrown into prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them securely. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound in chain. Paul and Silas, I like this word, undaunted, unmoved by what happened. I know people that have gone on mission trips, missed the fight, and you know, they thought the devil was going to drive them there. I thought to myself, why don't you just resist the devil? When the devil does things to you, please do something back. Don't let him beat on you. Don't let him beat on your mind. Don't let him beat on your finances. Don't let him beat on your family. Don't let him beat on your business. Don't let him beat on your marriage, on your job. Recognize that the enemy is trying to put you in stocks and beat you and become undaunted. That means you're going to stand your ground, and in the midst of it all, you're going to count it all joy. That's what it says in James. Call it all joy. See, they fell into this. They didn't walk into this. They fell into this. They were just obeying God, doing the will of God, and they fell into this trial, this trouble, this temptation. It's going on. Physically, they're feeling it. Physically, emotionally, they're feeling it. But spiritually, they're strong in the Lord and the power of His life. Listen, their feet may be down, but their mouth was not down, and their hands were not down. And I guarantee you, as they begin to lift their hands and praise and worship God, the Bible says, what? The prisoners heard them. Now, let's read that. This is good stuff. Paul and Silas, undone, undone, prayed in the middle of the night. 
and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. So, are you ready? Now there's a worship service going on in a place that's never gone on before. Now people are being worshipped and never heard worship before. See, we think about Lydia, and we think about uh, maybe the woman that got delivered from the devil, and different ones becoming a part of the church. And about, what about all the prisoners that were in stocks? And we're watching these two men. Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! We love you! Oh, this is the day! This is the day! That they're beaten and still worse off than the rest of us, and they're praising God. What's wrong with these people? They knew. We read it the other day. Paul knew. I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have delivered unto him against that day. He knew God has called me. I have heard from God. It does not matter if I've been beaten. It doesn't matter if my feet are in the stocks. I'm going to worship. I'm going to praise God, and everybody that's within earshot of me is going to hear me. I'll tell you, there's worship that breaks the yoke. I said, there's worship that releases the anointing. Suddenly, or as I said, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All at once, every prison door flung open and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. That's not a natural earthquake. A natural earthquake, we're digging out the survivors and burying the victims. Are you with me? This is not a natural earthquake. This is a supernatural earthquake that opens every prison door and looses every bomb. God's building the congregation. I said He's building the congregation. Those men experienced God. They didn't just hear the praises. They didn't just hear the preaching or teaching of Paul. They experienced God. When that prison began to shake, I guarantee you, immediately fear probably rose up in their hearts because they were in the Middle East. The Middle East has always been subject to earthquakes. They probably thought, here we are, stuck in a jail, and there's going to be a stinking earthquake. We're all going to die in this earthquake. But as the, as the prison began to shake, they began to look around, and nothing was falling. No debris was coming down. But the doors were flying open, and their bones were coming off. Somebody you know you can tell me about. I guarantee you, Paul was ready. Everything that he had gone through, the 
positioned him for this moment in Philippi in ministry to begin a powerful church, an extension of his own ministry, and a church that would be documented in the Bible itself as one of the greatest missionary churches to ever exist. And they answer, believe in the Lord Jesus, and will be saved during the famine. And they prophesied the word of the Lord over him and his family. What if he became the pastor of that church? Even though the hour was late, he washed the wounds. Then he took his family. Then he took all his family that were baptized. He took Paul and Silas into his home and set them at his table with them. The jailer and all of his family were filled with joy and a newfound faith in God. Notice this, and they both, the magistrates, sent officers to the prison with orders. Go tell the jailer, let those men go. The jailer informed Paul and Silas, told the magistrates and sent orders to release you so you're not free to go. But Paul told the officers, hey, wait a minute. Look, they made us in public without a fair trial. We're Roman citizens. You think we're just going to quietly walk away after they threw us in prison and violated all of our rights? Oh, but Paul, where's the law? Well, the love went out the door and they went to me on the back. you got to understand when it's time to use love and when it's time to use authority. He had been treated unjustly. Things had been done to him unjustly. Things had been done to him that all weren't right. He said, well, Pastor, there's a lot of that going on right now. That's all right. God has a way of balancing the books at the end of the day. He knows exactly how to do it. You may have your books, the world may have his books, but God has his books. And I'm telling you, on his ledger, you win every time. He's put authority in your life. He's put power in your life. He's put death in your life. And if the stripes on your back and if the feet be in the stocks come every once in a while when you walk with God, so be it. We'll raise up churches like the Philippi. We'll see revivals happen around the world. And we'll see God shake cities so the prison doors can open and the chains can fall off the people's lives. I said, look, hey, you need us to get a crowd for a trial. You're a Roman citizen. You think we're just going to quietly walk away? After you threw us in prison and violated all of our rights? Absolutely not. Go back and tell the magistrates they need to come down here themselves. That's coincidence. Amen. Literally, I think about this. I just like, oh man, this story. I'm still with the Baptist to the rest of Scripture is called out of the will of God. Not, not, not. Look, look at his attitude. Look at his character. He never lost his peace. He never lost his joy. He never lost his blood. He never lost his dignity. He never lost his purpose. He did not lose his praise or his worship. And he did not lose the momentum that God gave him when he first came over there. As a matter of fact, after he weathered that which went on, to, uh, which happened to him, which was unjust, God gave him a brand new momentum. How many people did he think followed him out of that jail back to that river where they were taken? We know the church was built 
We know that Philippi, the, term, the letter to the Philippian church, was his most intimate letter that he wrote, sharing his heart, the deepest things of his heart. We know that from uh, uh, the Philippian church, financial support was given to the Apostle Paul. And everything the devil tried to stop in Macedonia in the city of Philippi did not work. You say, what do you mean? It didn't work. The church was built. The areas were evangelized. People got the victory, got the Lord. And Paul went on down the road. Now, let me just say this. I'll close with this. I don't want to get into teaching on it, but it may help you a bit. A lot of people are always confused when any mention is made of Paul's thorn in the flesh. Now, traditionally, religion will teach you that Paul's thorn in the flesh was something that God did to him because he had this great revelation. People say he had a disease in his eyes. People had this, people had this. You know, I wish theologians would study the Bible. Did you know it would really help them if they just read it? Just read the Bible. Would help them. Amen. I mean, if you're going to be a theologian, you should just read the Bible. But apparently, many of them don't. That's not a joke. That's the truth. Now, God told the children of Israel, as they began to possess the promised land in the book of Joshua, He said, Now, there's going to be people. And listen, God was, and I don't have time to go into the reasons why God did this, but He had a reason. He said, there's going to be places I'm going to send you into, and there's going to be people living in those places. They're going to be nations. They're going to be ethnic groups of people. Uh, he says, here's what I want you to do. When you go in there, kill them all. And you're like, no, kill them all. Kill their children. Kill their wives. Kill their husbands. Kill their handmaids. Kill all their cattle. Kill all their animals. Kill, kill everything. Now, that God had a reason for that. That was judgment coming upon those people because of the wickedness of their life. But then God said this, if you do not do that, then they're going to be thorns in your side and pricks in your flesh. What is going to be? The people are going to be. Paul said there's been a messenger sent from Satan who has come to buffet me because of the revelation that God has given me. I have prayed three times and made requests to God to deliver me. And all three times God said this, My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, the theologians say, well, that means he had to stay sick. That means his eyes, he still had bad. That means, you know, you, you're going to have all this trouble, but you're going to have my grace. Come on. Either we got grace or not. No, he didn't have sick eyes. He wasn't sick everywhere he went. That's what happened to him. He got beat. He got thrown in the ocean. He got stoned till he was dead. Everywhere he went, till he got to court. And he called him and beat him up. And he was kind of, he was a little, not near as bold as he was to some of the other cities. But when he was praying, guess who appeared to him? Jesus. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for I want people to be sick. Paul went into Corinth and into Ephesus and preached without any resistance against him. And he was delivered of his, quote, thorn in the flesh. Listen, for every one of us, the enemy wants to try to find a thorn to stick into us. Some will believe God. Maybe it's a, a sickness or a disease in your body, and you say, You know, I'm Pastor Rusty, I'll come home. Teach them, listen to the teaching, I'm speaking the word, and I'm still fighting this stupid stuff. That's just a phone, that's all it is. You're 
be delivered. Stay with it. Your torment is coming. God is going to appear. There's going to be an unction. You're going to be delivered. And the power of God is, well, why has it happened up to this point? I can't tell you that. There are mysteries in the kingdom of God which cannot be expounded upon because God is God and we're called to live by faith. But in the meantime, have faith in God. Listen, you may have had your back beat. You may be, you may be in bondage right now. You may have your feet fixed in the stones. But if you'll lift your hands, if you'll worship God, if you'll sing praises unto Him in, the, in, your, in your midnight. See, midnight can not only refer to a particular time on the clock when it's supposed to be the darkest. It can refer to a place in your life in which you're going through something in which it's midnight, the darkest time, the darkest hour. But thank God at midnight, that's when the sun is up. Good opportunity to run around the church three times or so. I said, if you'll praise God, if you won't give up and quit, if you'll just keep laughing, that's been my, listen, that's been my protocol for 37 years. I just keep laughing. I love the test. I heard a guy uh, give a testimony. What was his name? They were youth pastors over there. Jim. Jim Kirby. I was asked to go conduct a pastor's seminar in Haiti. And it was, you know, Haiti's pretty rough uh, just by itself, but this was the place that the people in Haiti call us. It's, it's logging on. It's an island off for the prince. And, you know, they don't say, you know, go to Haiti, double hockey, hockey stick. They say, go to logging on, which they think is worse than ever. No, no running water, no electricity. Over 10,000 people live like, like it was 5,000 years ago. I mean, it's like we're stepping back in time. And so all these people want to go, so I started praying. The Lord spoke to me, he said, I need to go, but this could be, this could be a tough trip. And so I began to pray, I said, okay, Lord, well, I don't even think about your people with me. They're going to end up sick or, you know, in harm's way or something. So he let me take one, one person, which was, was Jimmy Kirby. So I took Jimmy Kirby with me, and, uh, and uh, I, took, I took two weeks faster than that, two weeks before we left. I knew this was going to be something. Sure enough, we got there and got to demon powers like I never saw in my life, like I never experienced in my life. And we ended up on Logano. We began the seminar. And then one of the, the pastors that had a, uh, what do they call them? A ham radio. They had this feeling, boom, 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 Look at the boat, get us off this island. No, can't do that. So what are we going to do? We're going to walk, we're going to sit here while this tropical storm goes by. I'm telling you, within three hours, the ocean was pounding, the wind was blowing, and so all these people on this mission trip, they're in this big circle, they're like, oh, they're playing, they're playing, they're singing, oh, 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 And so Jimmy, he's the one telling the testimony. He said, I wonder what Brother Rusty does. He said, so I walked out the tent and I listened, and I heard this laugh. And he said, so he walked back, walked, walked in the back, and there I am, I'm laying on these two pallets of provision weaver, and I got my hands on my chair, I'm just laughing, laughing, laughing. And Jimmy walks in there and says, what are you laughing about? I said, I'm laughing at the devil. I'm laughing at the devil. And I walked down to that tent, and I put my finger up in the sky, and I said, devil, you're not going to stop this conference. You're not going to destroy these people. 
And in the name of Jesus, you cease and desist. And literally, as I said that, you can see the sky begin to move. And we got out of the tent we were at. It quit raining. The wind continued to blow, which was coming on steps and skis, of course. But we got, I sat in a lawn chair for about an hour and watched the most incredible light show in the sky I'd ever seen in my life. The devil didn't destroy us. Sure, we ended up in a tight position. We ended up on an island with a tropical storm bearing down in which they had no modern conveniences. But the good news is God had already prepared the way. And for Paul and Silas, God had already prepared the way. And the best thing about being in the will of God is you move into the will of God. It's God's already prepared the way. And yeah, the devil might have some whips and some stocks and some other junk in the way, but God's got provision. God's got blessing. God's got breakthrough. God knows how to shake the prisons. God knows how to open the doors. God has to, God, God knows how to cause the bones to fall. That's not natural. That's supernatural. Could you imagine those guys looking around thinking they're fixing to be killed in an earthquake, and the only thing that happened was the doors were open and their chains are off? They say, why don't you sing that song again? Lift up your hands, Father, we worship you. Lord, we glorify your name. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the breakthroughs of God being upon God's people. That in the midst of some of the darkest midnights of people's lives, we can lift our hands and worship God. Glorify and magnify His name. We thank you this day, Lord God. This day, Lord, we'll leave this place strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Strengthened by your might in our inner man. Christ dwelling in our heart by faith. We've been rooted and grounded in love. Comprehend what all the saints. What is the breath, length, depth in us? We know and experience the love of God which passes the Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. Never head bowed, never eye closed. Lord, I pray right now if there's anybody that does not know you as Lord or Savior, or if there's anyone here that's out of fellowship with you, they gently and tenderly, you'll begin to embrace their hearts, help them realize that being restored to you, Lord, is just one prayer, one breath alone. We ask your gentle conviction, move among the people of the congregation this morning, restoring anyone here that may be out of fellowship, and causing anyone that does not know you to find grace in this place today. Never head bowed and eye closed. Nobody look around at me. I ask you. You're right with God. You're living right. You're doing right. Is Jesus your Lord? Is He your Savior? You're here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. I need, I need to get my fellowship back with God. Or you say this, I've never been saved. I don't, I don't even know if I can die or go to heaven. Well, you can't know. Not just believe, but know. Here they say, Pastor, please pray with me. I'll do it. If you lift your hand right now, Ty, anyone at all? I see that one hand. Another hand, God bless you. Another hand, God bless you. We're not going to ask you to come up or anything like that. We just have everybody stand and pray one prayer. Anyone else? You can put your hands down and watch you raise them so we can see. Anyone else? You say, that's me. Pastor, I'm not raising my hand, but I'm going to raise it right now. Please include me in this prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, stand on your feet, if you will. Now, I want everyone in here to pray this prayer out loud. Because we are encouraging these three or four that have raised their hand and said, I want to be right with God. We're encouraging them, so we're going to pray with them. You that have raised your hand, pray out loud.
so that your own ears hear what your mouth is saying. And after we pray the prayer, suddenly, I'm right with God. If I say, right with God, and I'm going to stay right. If I say, stay right. Are you ready to pray? Here we go. And let me pray. Right now, openly and publicly, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord, my Savior. I believe Jesus was virgin born, lived a sinless life, did signs, wonders, and miracles, died on the cross, rose from the dead, did it all for me. I believe it. I receive it. Heavenly Father, there is my life. I seem to be so weak. I need your help. Today, I confess those weaknesses, those sins, to you, Lord. You alone. Thanking you, Lord. You deliver me from all sin and all of us. As I stand in the, in the auditorium of Island Church on August the 1st, 2021, I am right with God. I will stay right with God. I will not miss, I will not miss what God is doing in this day and hour in Jesus' name. Everybody lift your hands and rejoice, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for each one who's gotten right with God this morning. Now, let me encourage you. Tonight, I have to look with the six and seven. 6.30 and 7.30. 6.30 and 7.00. Now, most of our volunteers and staff, they come to the leadership or servitude meeting, but everybody's invited and desires to come. But then the prayer part of that, that's more of a service than just a prayer meeting. We worship God with a couple of songs, praise and worship songs. Then we teach a little bit on prayer. Then we pray a little bit. Then we see what the Holy Ghost wants to do. Listen, this is part of getting right and staying right. Amen. Now, let me say, I know that there might be something, but I doubt there's anything that could be more valuable to you or your life other than being in this meeting tonight. So you're just trying to get people to come. I'm the pastor of Amen. So come be a part of that. Let's pray together. Let's see what the Lord will do. And listen, listen, begin to prepare ourselves for our weekend encounter that's coming, for all that God's going to do in the coming fall. And listen, when we see something going to happen in the Spirit, I don't care if it's some negative thing. It's not going to do anything but cause us to be lifted higher and to be more effective in the kingdom. I'm going to tell you, people are getting desperate. People are getting frustrated. What was supposed to be two weeks has gone on for a year and a half. Churches are afraid, scared to say the word COVID from the pulpit. They're scared. They're afraid to say to say anything that would have to do with anything going Listen. We're overcomers. I said we're overcomers. We're not afraid. Listen, we're not afraid of COVID. We're not afraid of social unrest. We're not afraid of political turmoil. We're not afraid of the hell itself is right. We do not care. We bear the name of Jesus. I said we bear the name of Jesus. That's the name above every name. We're in a great family. We're in a powerful company. We're not going to miss what God's going to do in this last day and hour. So just get your joy back. Get your song back. Be full of the glory of God. Amen. And don't miss what God is doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray and be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for today. Lord, as we leave, we do claim for the entire week 
your provision of safety and protection, declaring no evil upon us, no plague comes to our dwelling place, angels have charge over us. And fathers, we continue to abide in your will. Thank you for your power, your provision, your deliverance, your ability. Lord, we thank you. All of our troubles, highways, airways, railways, seaways, any other way to travel or transportation, the righteous labor of our hands as we handle the resources you give us. We declare we are not subject to trauma, to terror, to evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We push back against COVID, against Delta, against everything else. We say no in the name of Jesus. We're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Thank you for the witness of our heart. That all week long we're very aware and sensitive to the Spirit of God in us. As we navigate around people all week that are hurting, that are fearful, that need a touch from God. Let us be an answer to their prayer, a problem to the devil, a miracle in their lives. Lord, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You called us to be thanking you on your island church. We're Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.